0: Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101,
1: the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And if you remember, about two months ago, we sat down with Ryan Taylor of Dash to do Dash 101. And in that episode, we went through the history of Dash, how Dash became Dash, and what they're doing with their network. Something that makes Dash unique is that they run something called masternodes. After that episode, I had more questions than I had answers. Questions like, what's the difference between a masternode, a full node, and a node? What does a masternode do for the efficiency of the network? And well, if you go to stakeinnodes.com, you can see that there's hundreds of blockchains running Masternodes? What are they? Well, with those questions, I am so happy I found two gentlemen that can help me answer those questions. That is Mr. Tom McLaughlin and Earl Myers. But before we get into Masternodes 101, please go to Crypto101podcast.com. From there, it's a springboard to a lot of things you want to do, Crypto 101 related. You can find links to our social medias, our facebook our twitter our instagram come join our facebook community join in the conversations also don't forget to subscribe and rate us and leave a comment on itunes it helps us be more visible so people can find crypto 101 and the resources that we put out think about becoming a patreon patrons help support us when there are no ads they keep the servers running they keep the editors editing and they help put out these shows thank you very much to the patrons and don't ever forget you can always send me an email hit the contact button make comments suggestions say what's up whatever you like to do i'm here to listen and now without further ado here is masternodes 101 with tom and earl we'll see you after the show
0: tom and earl of blockstake welcome to crypto 101 Howdy, Matthew. What's going on?
2: Big fans. Oh, thank you very much. Do I hear an Ohio accent? Slightly. So uh, I mean, I don't, I don't uh, give away the thunder here or steal your thunder. Uh, but yeah, we're from the same town in Ohio, same suburb of Cleveland, which is totally nuts. You are Bainbridge. Bainbridge boy, uh, off of three o six there, okay. uh, Chillicothe Road. Anyone? Yeah, what's up? Uh, I think that's Geaga. Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga. Uh, yeah, man, uh, but uh, dated a girl in Chagrin Falls, so hung out there a little bit. Solon, Ohio, all that jazz. Right on. I, went, I graduated from, from Kenston. I lived off the Chillicothe
0: as well, over in Auburn, actually. And Yes. Gents, thank you very much for coming on today. And let's just have a quick introduction of yourselves. First, we'll start with Tom. Tom, tell us about yourself.
3: Yeah, so i uh, Tom McLaughlin. I'm the CEO of Blocksteak, uh, based out of New York. Uh, I was Born in the city. I grew up in New Jersey, went to college in Pennsylvania, um, and made my way back to New York. Um, Before founding Blockstake, I was trading crypto for, you know, full time for about 18 months. And uh, prior to that, I worked as an investment banker on Wall Street. So, uh, pretty typical kind of path into crypto, jumping off of the light side over to the dark side, or however you want to kind of look at it. Yeah, you've been clean for a few
0: years. Yeah, which one's the dark side and which one's the light side?
3: I think we're the light side, okay. but I think most people just don't know it yet.
2: Can I be Luke? Yes, Thanks. of course. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, yeah, no, Tom. Tom's been clean for a few years off of Wall Street, so that's uh. That's right good. on. Right on. Earl, tell us a little bit about yourself. We know you're from
0: Bainbridge. I heard that Ohio accent. We're from the same town, basically. What else about you, man?
2: Uh, what else about me? Man, I'm the chief marketing officer. I think like all the marketers that I like, uh, we've worn a few hats. Man, I've done a, I've done a lot. Um, I also had a very brief career on Wall Street. Uh, I get there and they're like, how did you get in here? And I guess I realized I was good at advertising at that point. So I pivoted. Uh, I was a creative director at a game studio for a few years. I, uh, then I landed in advertising. And uh, that's where I'd been for probably the majority of my career um, at a few big shops in New York City. And, uh, yeah, just having a good time. Right on, guys. Very nice to meet you. And thank you for coming on Crypto 101 again. What we want to
0: do today is give everybody a 101 on masternodes. What are masternodes? We're going to actually go through the whole gambit, if that's okay with you. Not only talk about what is a masternode, but start with what is proof of work, proof of stake, mining? What are nodes, full nodes, running a node? And just slip our way down to what is a masternode. And I think that you have some interesting details to tell us about some of the masternodes that are out there right now. So
1: if that sounds like a good agenda, we can get started.
3: Definitely. So I think the, the natural place to start is to kind of look at the differences between proof of work and proof of stake, as well as some of the kind of history behind that. Uh, one of the kind of beautiful underpinnings of Bitcoin, which has come to be known as kind of like the the chief tenant of cryptocurrency, Um, was this idea of proof of work. And uh, it solved a lot of uh, game theory as well as computer science problems that needed to be solved prior to creating uh, any sort of internet currency. And uh, sort of the the rewards process behind proof of stake is basically generating this thing called hash power, which is basically the output of a process with an input of electricity. Um, What that does is it allows miners... Uh, the ability to mine and earn block rewards. And this secures the network. um, And it's one way to create a decentralized network. Now, one of the kind of issues with this that we've run into over the past few years is uh, scalability. So we've seen a lot of blockchains that run on proof of work have been very slow. Um, The hash power gets concentrated into the hands of a very few people. Um, I would say in the world right now, probably three Big proof of work mining companies control more than fifty-one percent of the hash rate for Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, and that—that's very scary. What are the names of those companies? Uh, so you have Bitmain, obviously um, Genesis Mining, um, and then I'm blanking on a few other ones. But there are a lot of like notable figures who Slush is
2: pretty big, but I like those guys. So grow grow as much as you can, Slush.
3: So basically. The next adaptation of this was to look at some of the problems that were caused by this proof of work process and to kind of think how we can generate next generation blockchains that work seamlessly and the end user doesn't even realize there's a blockchain underpinning it. And one of kind of the next notable uh, innovations was proof of stake, which In proof-of-work, electricity and hash power are the key inputs in a proof-of-stake system, uh, basically the Uh, proportional ownership and distribution of block rewards comes down to the holding of that token. And so basically what it looks like is if I own, say, 20% of the tokens on a network in a proof-of-stake system, I would roughly get 20% of the output in terms of block rewards. And so that allows a number of things on the technical front, as well as the game theory front, which we'll dive into all of that. But uh, the important part is That came out about two, two and a half years ago. And now there's this huge tidal wave of basically every new notable project over the past 18 months has been a proof of stake system.
2: Yeah, basically, to Tom's point, I mean, I think proof of work is still a fantastic way to secure these networks. But now with these big rental... Where you pay money and you're able to rent hash power um, for a lot of these smaller, less established blockchains, uh, they're starting to see these 51% attacks, uh, which is where a bad actor gets more than 51% of your hash power, able to rent it through these uh, programs, um, through these companies. And basically, can start to affect the blockchain, can roll back the blockchain, um, do stuff you don't want to be doing. So, uh, people are thinking, believing proof of stake uh, is... um, the next intelligent evolution of that um, i think to pick up where tom sort of left off proof of stake is good but a lot of the proof of stake models that we're seeing um you to have a decentralized network you need people who are gonna decentralize it for you right who are gonna run your blockchain who are going to keep your blockchain updated and so there needs to be some sort of incentive for these people and so one way that they you know, why, I mean, why would you want to like, dedicate your computer, your electricity, your IP address to keeping a blockchain up if you really didn't get a lot out of it? And so masternodes, um, a cousin similar to this proof of stake model, uh, they're also called bonded validators, uh, if you want to Im- impress your friends, um, is a solution to that, right? So it's like proof of stake in that you basically buy a chunk of the currency as collateral, which then allows you the ability to run these masternodes. And for running these masternodes, you do receive a dividend or a share of the block reward. Um, But we'll dive in a little more, I think specifically on masternodes here, so.
3: Yeah, and I think the one other point here is, uh, from a technical perspective, nodes are what keep track of a ledger. And we're talking about a blockchain, which is one ledger of all of the transactions. And so in a proof of work system, there's no incentive to run that full node or that full ledger. The mining process for proof of work does not involve keeping a full node. Um, And so when you look at how do you get people to do that? In Bitcoin and Ethereum right now, running a full node, you don't get any uh, economic benefits, so why would you do it? And so in a proof of stake system and specifically a master node, when you tie the incentive to keep a full node, with the economic output of block rewards, you have a really powerful combination and a way to uh, distribute the network.
2: Yeah. And I would just add, too, and Matthew, you're probably going to get a ton of hate mail. But one of the difficulties with Ethereum is that, like Tom said, there's not an incentive to run the node. And so if you look at the number of full nodes on Ethereum, they've steadily decreased uh, over the last, I mean, however many months you want to look back. So That's going to be a bit of an issue, um, especially as we talk about keeping things decentralized. Can we just talk a little bit about
0: control for a minute? Because you've mentioned control a lot of times in discussing proof of work and proof of stake. So if you have 51% of control of the network with your hashing power, your buy hash power, especially for smaller networks, you can do 51% attacks with proof of stake. Do you have that risk if you, say, have 51% of the coins being staked or the tokens being staked?
3: So the real clincher here for why the 51% attack doesn't work for a proof of stake system is in order to get that quote unquote control, you'd need to acquire 51% of the tokens on the network. And so if you try to attack the network, you'd really just be destroying the value of your own collateral. So it's a really beautiful thing when you pair that economic incentive where it's like in order to gain x percentage control of this network you need to directly own the native asset of that network
0: so if what a scenario let's just say i am well let's say i'm bitcoin cash just throwing that out there let's say i'm bcash mm-hmm. but i just wanted to start destroying any other token that thinks they're going to be a currency token on the market bitcoin cash definitely has a lot of funds they can go buy smaller cap to- tokens 51 percent, no problem lose a million dollars and it's gone can that happen with proof of a uh, stake
3: yeah, yeah. Conceptually, that that could definitely happen. I would say that if that scenario played out, though, that same community would probably just create another token and, you know, that keep playing that out. But yeah, that, that is definitely uh, a reality. The only thing would be is, Bcash would literally be lighting money on fire.
2: And actually, I mean, one project off the top of my head uh, that I like is called Arionum. Uh It was a proof of work blockchain uh, that has switched to proof of uh, work and with a masternode model to help stabilize the network because they were starting to see 51 percent attacks
0: so before we go into masternode let's just talk about nodes so what's the difference between running a node running a full node and mining and what do they all do for the network okay so there's a few questions
2: in there let's uh so what are nodes i usually just throw it it out there for you guys you guys could just run with it for the next 10 minutes i'll drink a coffee Tear at it, yeah. Okay, Matt. Matt's, Matthew's actually getting up and walking away now. Uh.
3: Yeah. So uh, a node in <laughs> a node in general, or you know, this is even a definitely a pre-crypto term. A node is just a connection to a network. So um, if you kind of think of the the cell phone uh, network as an example, like the the nationwide cellular network, you can consider a node one cell phone tower. Uh, that's the way I like to think of it. Uh, a full node, as far as a blockchain is concerned, is uh, it's just a full history of all transactions. Um, and so, obviously, when you're building a decentralized network, the more full nodes you have, the stronger the network, the harder it is to change things in the history. Um, now, there are... What are referred to in the crypto space, sometimes you can run like a partial node. Um, It's definitely not as secure, but what that can do in a lot of instances, I believe Lightning Network may actually use some version of this is it just allows you to route like the orders and the network in a quicker fashion. Uh, But the real to understand the strength of an actual decentralized network, you need full nodes.
0: Okay, I'm back with my coffee. I think that we're at the point of masternodes. So we know proof of work and proof of stake and basically how it works and how they maintain a network. We know about a node and a full node. Now, how does masternodes fit into all of this?
3: There's this uh, glaring need, like we're saying, when you look at proof of work networks, you need to get as many full nodes on the network as possible. That is really the goal from an architecture standpoint of how to build a decentralized network. Mm And so so how do we do that, right? How do we get as many people as possible to run full nodes? With a master node model, what that looks like is you acquire some X amount of collateral. Let's take Dash, for example. It's the most well-known one. You acquire 1,000 Dash, and you take that collateral, put it in a wallet address, and then you spin up a full node. You download the wallet you sync the full blockchain, and then you purchase server space through a VPS provider like Vulture. And you dedicate that server space to the network. So you're running a full node, you're supporting the network, and you have your coins locked up. And because you're doing that, because you're supporting the network, because you have a financial interest in it, you will then start receiving block rewards, very similar to the way miners on proof of work networks Get block rewards. So it's really just taking those payouts from the block reward schedule and the inflation schedule and giving them to the people who are directly providing what you need, which are full nodes.
2: So I think the number one answer with anything blockchain related is like, well, it depends, right? <laughs> uh, and so, like, a lot of these masternodes, there's a lot of stuff that you can say it depends. So this ability to decentralize network and run these full nodes super super important but they also do other things for the network every project slightly different but so you also see these masternodes able to do private send so they'll mix transactions on the network they can add a layer of privacy or anonymity uh, you can see them doing governance functions so it kind of makes sense right you want people who have masternodes with big stakes in your system to also have a say in the direction of the system so there's governance tied in all sorts of stuff like that uh,
3: yeah no, no that's an important part too like one of my favorite projects is called Jincoin, and each master it basically has a vote on their platform for like what coins to list on their Masternode setup platform. So it, it's really cool. It's kind of just like the next layer of what we think of in the financial world of like ownership of a network. Uh, Masternodes look very much like a shareholder in a corporation where you have a say you contribute some sort of resource and you get the benefit or the dividend.
0: So. Looking at the structure of a masternode and to get a masternode first, like you said, you have to put in some kind of collateral. I think Dash, after talking to Ryan on the show, you have to also have a certain level of equipment. So make sure that you can maintain the network in a certain fashion. What are other requirements or prerequisites to running masternodes on different networks and does it actually work? Does it actually work? Does it actually work? I hope
2: so. Yeah. No, my retirement's riding on this, so uh, (laughs) I've got a lot of bills to pay. Um, So, look, I think Dash is always the classic example for masternodes, but one issue with it is that it's so expensive, right? You go, oh my God, it's $166,000 to buy this collateral. Uh, There's literally... there's Masternodes online lists about, I think, 466 masternodes. That's not including like the other hundred that aren't listed on there. So there's a ton of these projects. They're all of like varying price points too. So, I mean, some nodes like Moondex, I think is like $75 for a masternode. You got Smart Cash which is like $233 for the collateral. So definitely like wherever you are in your crypto 101 journey, there's a masternode for you. Tom, you want to jump in here?
3: Yeah, and I I think that the other parts of setting up a masternode are intimidating, uh, specifically like the technical expertise that you need to spin up a masternode. But it's a lot more intimidating than it sounds. And luckily, there are actually like a lot of great tools now that will kind of take that technical element out of it where like you don't need to be a coder. All you need to do is just buy the tokens uh, send them to yourself. And then it's like one or two more clicks. Like you can very easily figure it out, um, on the hardware side to kind of answer your question there. Cause it's actually a very interesting one. Um, is the costs to like run a server for a master node are very, very cheap. It can be anywhere from like 50 cents to $15 per month. And so, you know, when you're thinking about as a crypto 101 investor, like I want to generate cash flow off of my assets. Well, mm-hmm. am I going to buy an ASIC miner that costs $6,000? Am I going to set it up? Am I going to find a co work, like co locating facility? All this stuff, it's just not reasonable. Whereas you can put that capital into the collateral of the token spin up a server with like $1 in upfront cost, and you're good to go. So there's a huge difference on the hardware side, and I wouldn't even really call it hardware for masternodes because it's really just renting uh, digital server space.
2: Mm -hmm. So uh, to Tom's point that it's basically never been easier to run masternodes, they do sound technically super intimidating, but um, There's a few platforms, a few projects in the space that are really making this accessible. Uh, One is, Tom already mentioned, GinCoin. Super awesome guys over there. Uh, Great customer service, like really tech support is awesome. Uh, Mano is another one. Um, Apollon is doing some stuff with a node building software. Like You can really just Google it. Um, We like those, not to shill bags here, Uh, we like those because you get full custody of your assets. So that means you basically get to hold onto your coins. If you were to just Google Masternode hosting services, you've got to be careful with it because there's people who you will send your coins to. You're not in control of your coins anymore. So whichever service you pick, just make sure you're holding onto your coins in your wallet, on your computer. Just a, a little bit about the philosophy of a Masternode.
0: I'm looking at stakeandnodes.com right now, and I'm looking at how much it costs to run a masternode. For example, Dash, it's going to cost $198,000 in collateral to set that up. VeChain or VET is going to be $70,000. Um, and well, you can have Wasabi base node for $943. Is this restrictive is this out of the philosophy of decentralization if it's actually only the rich that can participate and especially if we're going to start seeing true winners and true people that are going to start getting or sorry people or companies or tokens or networks start actually claiming market share in this space it's just going to be more and more restrictive are the rich the only people that can participate
3: yeah i don't think that's necessarily a fair assessment i think that on the front of uh, shared masternodes, I think it will get easier to share the purchase price to purchase a, a particular masternode if the market cap increases greatly. Like, so, Jin, for example, right now, you can purchase a masternode for about $3,000. I'm sure that that will eventually get pumped up if the users continue to flock to their platform. Um, but I, this idea, I think what you're kind of talking about is like this plutocracy idea where you end up with like one or two parties that end up controlling um, all of the block rewards in a particular blockchain. And I, I think it's it's too early to tell how this will shake out. I do think the rich will get richer, but it's that's they also on do. a scale. It, they always do. And if you look at proof of work mining in Bitcoin, it's already happened on that front. So let's try something else. Hey, everyone. I
1: am super excited to tell you this special news. The Crypto 101 team, myself, and Danny Salam wrote a book. It's called Crypto 101, Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency. And in this book, we follow an old friend of ours, Johnny, who has been popping up in episodes over the past year to get the 101s on technology, terminology, and blockchain. And in this book, he goes through everything a noob, might need to know about getting into crypto. From the FOMO, the FUD, the 14 stages of emotions, the terminology, the technology, and it's all wrapped up in an amazing story following Johnny, his family, and his friends. It's not a boring read, and it's for everyone. For your kids, for your parents, for yourself. So, Please keep an eye open for Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency coming the beginning of November so you can pick it up for your family, your friends, for Christmas. It's a great read, but you don't have to take my word for it. Now, back to the show.
0: Well, I, I guess to, the, to what you said there, and I'm just trying to pick your brain about masternodes because of the philosophy a little bit, and you brought up Jincoin. right now, all you said it is 3,154 $3, dollars to set up a masternode on Jincoin. but they're also trading price is only three bucks. You have a thousand of those guys, and their market cap is relatively small. What if it goes up to Bitcoin market cap? Then it's also restrictive. Doesn't matter the coin, at this point, it's easy, bar- easy barrier to entry, but if this is something that would work for a network? why why are we making it restrictive for people isn't this the whole point of decentralization and this crypto movement to not
2: be at the hands of the people or the control of the few yes yes no that's a great point i mean look i i think on some level though we have to recognize that if you're going to buy a substantial stake in these early networks you are incurring a big risk on yourself right uh like the gin team was anonymous for six months i mean we're like Who are these people? You know, I don't know, but I'm going to hold the coin, right? So you are taking a risk. So, like, I do believe, like, those earlier in the space with the...
4: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
2: Most to gain are also taking the biggest risk, but as Tom mentioned too, I mean, so also like every coin has had their days of being like one to five dollars, you know, or their fractions of a penny. But as to Tom's point, uh, Tom mentioned something called shared master nodes. So there are now the technology is just about to be released again. I we're just talking about JIN the whole time. JIN's got a shared masternode platform being released. There's a few other people in the space who are releasing it, uh, which is going to allow people, let's say you only have 10 JIN coin, you can then pool that with other people, have the equivalent of a masternode. So there is a democratizing effect in that regard. Yeah, and I think if you also
3: look at you know, I I like to think of a masternode as a form of staking. So it's just a specific type of staking. But if you look at proof of stake blockchains, like, you know, you could stake with one coin, which is worth one US dollar. So I think in that sense, those are more democratized. Um, But yeah, you're kind of talking about a chicken and an egg problem. Like if we are so lucky that these masternode coins go up a hundred or a thousand X, then yeah, we may have that problem where there are a few people in control of the network. But at least we know that they have a financial incentive in that network and that if it's going to go down, it's going to hurt their wallet. And if it goes up, then they get that upside. In
0: two sentences or less, can you just summarize what a masternode does for the network?
3: Yeah, a masternode incentivizes investors to provide resources to a decentralized network and in exchange for doing so, they participate and receive block rewards.
0: And in two sentences or less, can you please tell us what a masternode would do for the efficiency of a network?
3: Collectively, masternodes will create more full nodes on a network and because of that fact, Uh, you will be able to have increased transaction per second and an increased ability for networks to quickly and effectively process transactions.
0: So we ran through the whole gambit of of proof-of-work, proof-of-stake to masternodes, and now we have summarized in a paragraph what they do for the network and they do for the individual. What are the pros and cons of a masternode?
2: Well, so let me just, I think this is a natural spot to just kind of clear the record here for masternodes. So okay. they've been m- much maligned. And, and you know what, rightfully so. So before we talk like pros and cons, like we just want to really make it clear that 95% of the projects, probably 98%, are like complete trash. So Alan Henna at nodes.com, he's a good friend of ours, one of our advisors, has, it's called a jam list. You'll see just another masternode and so he is, and is not by any means a comprehensive list, definitely do your own research, but you basically have these masternodes that uh, you acquire the collateral and you see these ROI numbers of like 10,000%, 3,000%. But they do nothing, right? They don't solve a problem. They're just like a fork of Dash or PIVX or one of these other projects and they just spew out coins, right? And so they're really good for the like the people who founded them, but if you're late to the party, Um, you're going to be holding basically nothing, right? Um, It doesn't do anything. So a lot of these projects are lame. Uh, A lot of these projects, just another masternode, you don't want them. But like what we've been talking about, this ability to incentivize decentralization and some of these other projects we're going to see that are going to be censorship resistant. So why we really think masternode and masternode-based projects are the future.
3: Yeah, and after that cheesy disclaimer, I I would say, like, yeah, again, the pros From a network perspective, like much higher transaction per second, you can defend uh, 51% attacks. Uh, instant and private transactions, an incentivized user base that can vote on the updates to the protocol. And then, you know, one thing I I don't really like mentioning this that much because I don't have an opinion one way or another, but there is an energy cost from proof of work networks. And if we can help to solve that even a little bit, that's also a pro for proof of stake. The cons really, there's a less proven track record, right? We've been using proof of work for Bitcoin for a little bit over. 10 years now um, proof of stake is a newer concept so we don't know how that's necessarily going to play out Um, from an investor perspective the other cons would be you know you're locking up your collateral or your capital even for you know let's say 15 20 minutes where it's locked up you can pull it out at any time but you know you're using that collateral and you're locking it up and if you take it out you're not going to get block rewards um, and as well as the, the other main con really is, um, that technical expertise of setting up masternodes, um, which even though there are tools that help people to do it, um, a lot of times just the fact that you have to do some work, uh, is intimidating to people, especially people who have no computer science background. Um, and I was, you know, I am one of those people as well. Like I had to learn all of this stuff and, You're naturally just going to cut down on your potential users the more work somebody has to do to do something.
2: I played a lot of video games and I can do masternodes. So if I can, you can.
0: (laughs) I think that the technology is going to get more streamlined for more average people to get involved. I don't think that's a a question. You said something a little bit ago, Earl, about that 98% of the masternodes are either lame or junk, rubbish, trash, trash. And you gave a number of something like 10,000% returns ROI, you know, it just screams, BitConnect. Yeah. What, yes. What, yes. <laughs> what is a good ROI? What are some filters that somebody can look at at coins that are junk, mashed nodes? And what is your criteria to say that they're junk? Oh, wow. Besides um, the BitConnect, because that's
2: obvious. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, look, uh, the easy answer is it depends. Um, the other answer is. The ROI is a function of... I see you laughing over there. Uh, The ROI is a function... I'm laughing at the it depends because it always is depends. It always depends. It It always always depends. depends. Take a stance. Yeah. I'm like super interesting at parties or really boring, right? Uh, (laughs) So the ROI is a function of where the block reward schedule is like, you know, are we early and have the block rewards halved yet or have, you know, where are we at with that? And also how many masternodes are being run on the system, right, so if like the reward is 100 and there's two masternodes, they each get 50. There's 10 masternodes, they each get 10. So if you're early into these projects, It's not uncommon for a quality project to see like a thousand percent ROI for a few weeks or a few months. That's like, again, not a rule. But when you're really seeing these things that seem like a fork of a fork, I guess this gets into your next question, right? How do you know it's a jam? How do you know it's a scam? All that stuff. I mean, uh, Alan's List is a great place to start. Get in their Discord channel. Look at their white paper See if you can Google. I mean, there was one project where I like looked up their team members on LinkedIn and they had like hidden profiles. One just said, I'm a PayPal engineer. I was like, dude, you are neither of those things. Research PayPal. the team a little bit. What does the coin do? Like, look, if, if they just say private instant transactions, it's gar- like that's how many times have we heard that, right?
3: Yeah, I guess I'll hop in here too as well, because I, I vet almost all of our uh, investment decisions uh, at Blockstake and... Um, one thing that I have definitely learned is that you have to like the project regardless of what the ROI is, because the ROI is nice, but what you're looking at really is inflation. And in order to offset the inflation, you need increased buy demand. Now, like another of my couple like pet peeves, I think Earl hit on, on them as well is like, I like to see some sort of working product, even if it's a beta. Um, and if you can't deliver that and you're looking for people, People to invest in your project, then I don't want to really be a part of that because there's still such a huge risk. Like operational risk of building a product is literally what they teach you in Angel Investing 101. Like if someone can't deliver a product and they're asking for money, like run away. Um, So I always look at that. And then Earl's point is totally on point when we're talking about the scams as well. Like You'll go and see masternodes that they say they're a private instant currency, and that doesn't mean anything. All that means is that they forked PIVX or Dash. Now, can you use that technology as a base layer and build something interesting on top of it? Absolutely, but that in and of itself doesn't mean anything. Um, And then the other things I look for strong community. um, Are there people who are buying this, who are doing work, who are helping to spread the gospel. Cause these are all kind of weirdly a little bit cult-like as well, um, in their early stages. Um, and yeah, I mean the competency of the team as well. Like I, I think one thing like with Jin, that, uh, you know, it was an anonymous team and I, I, I love the story of it being an anonymous team that was just funded by people all around the world. But I think, you know, uh, looking back at it, that, I don't like that. I like to see who these people are. I like them to have skin in the game. I like for them to have consequences. If they don't deliver, they should have that reputational risk. Um, Agreed. And if they're not willing to do that, then I don't, you know, it it just, that just is a red flag to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. (laughs) Mic drop. Uh,
3: Scammers stay away from me.
2: (laughs) And again, it's like, it's just, it's so easy to be seduced by these high ROI numbers. That should be the last thing you look at.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, let me just hop in. There's so much opportunity here because we're looking at like smaller market caps of projects that have working products and Mm a real community. And you're looking at a sub $10 million market cap versus some of these multi billion dollar market caps that nobody's using. Like Ethereum Classic, there was like seven transactions yesterday and it's a $2 billion market cap. Wow. Jin is an $8 million market cap and they have 5,000 paid daily active users like mm-hmm. let that sink in that's nuts right it makes no sense
2: yeah i think i forget the statistic too but i saw a chart on twitter like the number one ethereum dap is, is like idex or something it's got 1500 yeah daily active users i mean it's like crickets yeah yeah well it's coming it's coming
0: you mind if we go into some uh general questions go for it man. please cool if somebody was going to get into either mining or staking or if they're considering running a masternode. What advice would you give somebody to go ahead and do that?
2: Yeah, so um, I guess I'll take this one first, and then Tom can correct me. Um, so, <laughs> um, I mean, I I do not have a technical background. Um, how I would get get started is I would go to one of these reput. Uh, I would how I would get started. I would go to one of these platforms, Mano Gen. Uh, I think Gentarium's another one. Um, look at the projects they have listed. Google them, do some research, get in their Discord, find out what you can, see if you actually like the project, and then go from there. Um, I think that's honestly where I'd start. Was there another part of that question I blacked out? The other part of the question is, do you recommend running a masternode opposed to, say, running a full node or mining or staking? So as to the other part of your question about you know mining, staking, or masternodes, proof-of-work mining, uh, I mean, I think masternodes are like a no-brainer. I mean, staking... Your ROI, depending on the project, is like between 5 and 20%. Um, a lot of these projects, too, like a lot of the value, I mean, they're already $100 million, billion-dollar market caps. So when you and, – and proof of work mining, I mean, to be competitive in the space, you have to have access to low electricity costs. Tom talked about hardware and, and co-location and finding these pools. And then you have these masternodes, which are these like relatively um, – unknown, super low cap projects that are giving you an ROI much higher than 20%. And what's interesting too, is when we go to a lot of these investor conferences and these meetups, and you know, we're talking to like some of the bigger players in the space, um, they they're, they don't even know about Masternodes yet. Yeah. I mean, everybody's just been kind of like, ah, Masternodes, whatever, it's just kind of scammy, you know, but that's like where we wanna be.
3: Yeah, I, I think that, <sighs> Before hopping into masternodes, I think you really want to understand the very basic fundamentals of like token economics. Like you, I do think you want to build up to that point. Like it took me a while as a crypto trader to really understand what I was even looking at. Um, So I'd say once you make a decision for whatever project you want to get involved with, run it through the full set of due diligence you do with every other project project, you know, and then you just have that next extra step, which is what do I need to do effort wise to actually set up this investment, which is the master node. And so I think really the easiest way to host the master node first time is definitely gin or gentarium. Um, and it's, you know, it's a fairly easy process. So I I would start there. And I, I, think, you know, the other thing is, that I think people like aren't comfortable enough with exchanges and sending coins back and forth, and that that all takes practice. So I, you know, I would really learn all of that stuff first.
2: I was gonna say, if you don't want to do your own research, uh, just create a Twitter account and follow a lot of the dog memes on there. The dog guys have a lot of uh, good good trading. <laughs> all right, man. I think this is about. <laughs> when, I think this is when you guys uh, drop the mic and
0: say, yeah, those anonymous gin guys are actually us
2: <laughs> because you've been plugging it more than
0: even blackstake
2: i know i know it's just it's uh yeah are just it's a quality project that i think is really one of the the front runners in the space i mean <laughs> i don't yeah i don't know what else to so say, it's not you, you know. Know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a coin. big
3: industry not our coin no it's not us yeah we we own a lot of
2: it though yeah full disclosure i can tell <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't even want to be those guys but like, we, I, we buy it's buy better we if like. you shill something else i, well, right? I guess why we're, while we're
3: at it while
0: yeah, we're at it uh zillica zillica litecoin litecoin
2: yeah yeah
3: i mean <laughs> uh, subliminal got... messages <laughs>
0: who do you guys respect in the crypto crypto space if you guys are going to follow people on twitter or just figure out who's gonna if somebody if this
2: person tweets this person says something, who are you paying attention to? I, I'm gonna just shout this into the microphone. Andreas Antonopoulos, I cannot say enough good things. I'm sure that's like the most cliche answer. Uh, he's a big gin hold. no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Andreas really got me, um, he explained what this was. What blockchain, the power of blockchain, the power of Bitcoin, the power of like the censorship resistant decentralized networks. It's easy to come into crypto and think it's like a get rich quick type of space. But when you really understand the, the power of it um, and what it means, it's like, wow, this is the future. This is the Internet 3.0. Um, so I love Andreas. Um uh,
3: yeah, I got a couple other ones. I don't have one person in particular, but I would say just listing people off like Jack Dorsey has been a huge influence on me. Um, I think he's somebody that is in the fintech space that understands and appreciates crypto. And I think that the work he's going to do to kind of bridge Bitcoin into the existing financial institutions, like it's going to be huge over the coming years. Um, Another guy I really like, well, two VCs in particular, Fred Wilson and Naval Ravikant. I just, I love their philosophy and they get kind of the whole movement and ethos of crypto. Like they understand it from more than just a financial perspective, which I, I really respect. And then I guess, you know, to... Kind of shout out to like one coder in particular, like Nick Zabo is like kind of the godfather of like all of this. Um, His work with like smart contracts and digital gold, like I think he's like probably the biggest influence outside of whoever or whatever Satoshi is.
0: Right on. So if you guys are going to follow the news, if you guys are going to follow just the hype or the FUD or the FOMO of the space, who would you be following?
2: Oh, man. Like, oh, man. That's a funny question. So I love these anonymous traders on Twitter, like Whale Panda, NitaCoin, Not So Fast. I could. It's a long list. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and, and for MasterNode space in particular, like we said, staking nodes is like one of the best. Um, and then MasterNodes Live and MasterNode Buzz um, for MasterNodes specifically. But yeah, for trading, like it's all on crypto Twitter. That's where all the best minds are. That's where the best information is. And I'm still trying to figure out why exactly that is, but like LinkedIn crypto sucks, Facebook crypto is like not that good either, although your group is actually very good, Crypto 101, but. All the action is on Twitter. <laughs>
2: yeah. You saved the interview. You know, you know what I love about crypto Twitter, too, is it's like, you know, you'll just be like flipping through and you'll see price charts and you'll see, you know, your memes and everything. And then you just see like some raging libertarian post about like guns. And you're like, <laughs> wow, I'm so uncomfortable. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what project do you guys think will have most impact in the future?
3: Uh, yeah, for me, this is pretty easy. I think Bitcoin is the odds on favorite for sure. Bitcoin um,
0: maximalist right here y'all
3: it's the the biggest use case i mean decentralized sound money is the holy grail and if that hits everything else will work out pretty well but and then other than that i mean i love
0: and I, I love,
3: love Bitcoin.
2: <laughs> that, that Bitcoin. I,
3: I also really, I like the idea of trustless peer-to-peer contracts, smart contracts. Um, it's going to be used for a wide variety of things, like anywhere from you know sports betting options, derivatives markets. But I don't know what platform is going to win that. And I I don't even really know what to look for at this point.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Earl Coin coming out 2019, mm. instant private transactions. Only available in Ohio. Yeah. Masternodes. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. has everything. very high ROI. Incredibly high Lightning ROI. Network, Atomic Lightning Swaps, Network, everything.
0: Uh, I'm looking forward to that, that, uh, that coin in the future. It's going to have a big impact.
2: Sure. Well, um control your data free everything.
0: soon. Matthew. I'll reach out to you, yeah. Hey, cool, man. Cool. Thank you. I'll be an advisor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Gents, if this was the first podcast, which could very well be, you know, people are going to start jumping down the rabbit hole. I hate that saying. I mean, I've said it so many times on the show already, but I hate it <laughs> the so
2: ecosystem.
0: much. The ecosystem, the space, the rabbit hole. So if a noob was coming on and they were going to, Tune in to Masternodes 101. And they heard you guys. What advice would you like to give them on their journey down the rabbit hole?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go super deep. And I would say don't trust Verify. and That that has so much reach into so many different things. What but does that the mean? one thing The one thing I'll say, it, it, it means don't listen to anybody. Do your own research. Get ideas from other people. But then verify your sources. Verify that what people are telling you is true. Um, because... I came into the crypto space and I was like, I wanted to believe what everyone was saying because it all sounded so good. And the longer I've kind of been here, like I've just seen so many people that are just so full of it that seems great, but they're chilling whatever it is for whatever reason. And you kind of just learn like, You can't just trust what other people are saying. And especially from an investment perspective, if you don't have confidence in whatever bag you're holding, like you're going to get bitten. And the way to really prevent that and to have confidence is to verify all the facts and not take somebody else's word for it.
2: Yeah, I mean, we say around Block's sake, everyone's full of shit until proven otherwise. I mean, because some of our heroes in the space, we meet them and we're like, wow, they actually have no idea what they're talking about. And now they are no longer our heroes. So (laughs) um, I would say, too, and and, I'm going off my notes here. I'm going to play a little jazz. But I would just say, take time to... Watch some Andres. I, I kind of already said this, but like you are at the beginning of the shift of an era. Like this is mm. this is the Internet. Like we're 1994. Mm. And so know that there's going to be a ton of haters. The incumbents of industry are going to hate blockchain. They're going to hate Bitcoin. They're going to hate masternodes because they need to because it's, it's coming for them. You know, like when the Internet came out, everybody said, ah, it's only going to be for pornographers and criminals. And it's like right. they were right. Now it's not. So, put on your armor. There's going to be a lot of FUD. Like, of course, mainstream media, whose advertisers are, you know, like, look at who's paying their bills, um, are mm-hmm. going to hate on crypto
3: i went to i was telling you i went to singapore earlier this year in january and i went specifically to see two keynote speakers Mm -hmm. like i had listened to all their podcasts before i flew 21 hours to get there and i like three days into this crypto cruise after listening to both of those speakers i like turned to the person i was with and i was like these guys are just so full of shit on so many many levels and it
2: I uh, don't we want to we don't want to pick I'll, a I'll call on that it's okay. John
3: McAfee and Ronnie Moas
0: that wasn't hard <laughs> like like anybody's gonna argue with McAfee
3: well this was this was in January right <laughs> I mean so, look like, at his
0: unhackable wallet just got hacked <laughs> I
3: mean, this he- was before the unhackable wallet he's been quoted so many times as saying nothing is unhackable until he markets a wallet <laughs>
0: Hey, gents! I want to say one. It was amazing meeting an Ohio boy on Crypto 101. It was kind of amazing meeting a Jersey boy, but you know we let you <laughs> we let you hang out with us. That's cool because you're, I guess, the CEO, and I guess you have to because this is part of the part of the gig. And thank you very much for walking through the listeners of Crypto 101 for Masternodes 101. It was very informative. I think that you gave enough information to get everyone on the path of understanding what a masternode is and then they can start participating in a different way than they have been in the past
2: well thanks guys thanks crypto 101 welcome to the community and uh yeah we'll see you see you on the blockchain cruise and before we go though what three songs would you like on your spotify playlist
3: so i'll take number one not coming home tonight by three Loco. i love andy milanakis as a rapper and then Earl can have the other two. <laughs> I didn't know you <laughs> put
2: that one on there. Uh, I mean, listen, bro, the jam of jams, Counting Crows, Mr. Jones, because every time it comes it is on, so cheesy, but it's the best. Stop, right, come on, it is like, the best. born in the '80s, like this is like the thing. Uh, and you know what? Uh, I'm a peace train, Cat Stevens guy, man. Uh, well, you lo- you look a
0: little bit like Cat Stevens, actually.
2: Yeah, they call me Bitcoin Christo Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: So. Blockstack Jesus.
0: Blockstake Jesus, right on. I think Bitcoin Jesus is already taken by um, Roger Veer. Yeah. BCH Jesus. I'll let him keep it, yeah. <laughs> um. Tom and Earl of Blockstake, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101 and the Masternodes 101. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, guys. See ya.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening to Crypto 101 and this episode with Mr. Tom, Mr. Earl, Masternodes 101. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Send us an email and we'll be happy to clarify any issues you might have. Next episodes, we have ETF 101. And also, remember, go to Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron on YouTube if you want a follow up to this episode. I'll give you a little bit of background information of how Tom Earl and I met and my thoughts, opinions on the topic. Like always, apogeecrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E-Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices, cryptonews.com for your news. And we will see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. Thank you very much for listening.